Family Sunday. And if you're new to Redeemer, Family Sunday is a Sunday where we have more children join us for the service. And the sermon is kind of uh, dialed. I don't want to say dialed down, but it's dialed to such a degree that both our bigger kids, our adults, and our smaller kids can understand and kind of ride along. So if if things are a little different this morning, that's the reason. Uh, We ask for a little more feedback, so I'll ask the kids questions. And when I say kids, I mean both the big kids and the little kids. Okay? And you feel free to answer these questions as as, as I um, ask them during the sermon. And we're going to continue uh, with 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be talking about chapters two, ver- chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And the main idea of our sermon today is a life on mission for Jesus is a life motivated by pleasing God and loving people. Amen? Uh, it's a life that is motivated by pleasing God and loving people. So I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8, and then we'll pray together and then we'll jump in. You have your Bibles if you want to open it up and ride along with us, or you can look on the screen up here. And so beginning in verse 1 of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We'd previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And this is the word of the Lord. All right, please pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you for this beautiful family Sunday. I pray for your grace that we big children and little children can hear what it is you're saying to our hearts through your word, and that thereby, Lord, you would grant us salvation, you would grant us growth in being the people that you call us to be. Father, in your mercy, would you cause me to preach with clarity, with conviction, All that you would like to be said the way you would like it to be said, I pray that that's what would happen. And all that you don't want to be said, you just let it fall by the wayside, let it not be said. And again, Lord, may your word accomplish in every heart and every mind present exactly what you've sent it forth to accomplish. In Jesus' matchless name we pray this day. Amen. And amen. All right. Brandon, if you'll turn to that first picture slide. Um, and you look at this picture here, uh, you may assume that these are two different people, but this is actually the same person. Both pictures are a picture of the same person, and the name of this person is St. Damien of Molokai. I learned about St. Damien from a very, very uh, wise man, a television show he had. His name was Bernie Mac. How many of you guys know about Bernie Mac? There you go. So, 
in the Bernie Mac show, his kids in that show, they went to a school called Damon Elementary. And in one of the episodes, the leader of the school, um, he talked about the person for whom the school was named, whose name was St. Damon. And so I went to look up St. Damon, and I learned that he had a very fascinating story. I'd like to share a little bit about it, about him with you today. Um, St. Damon, known as Father Damon, whose original name was Joseph de Vuster. I'm going to ask you, Jason, to make sure I'm saying all these words correctly this morning. Um, Joseph de Vuster. Is that good French this morning? You have to see it. Okay, okay. I thought you could hear the phonetics. All right. Um, who was a Belgian priest who devoted his life to missionary work among the Hawaiian lepers and became a saint of the Roman Catholic Church. All right, quick question for everybody. What is a leper? Go ahead, Miles, what you got? Exactly, say it loud. Say it loud, so right here. You didn't say it any louder. You just said it the same. So say it louder. Uh-huh. A person who has leprosy. Okay, and leprosy is a debilitating disease that isn't as common as it used to be, but initially it, it, it infests your skin, and then it can cause like parts of your body like fall off. It's really, really bad. And so he uh, went and served with the Hawaiian lepers, and he became a saint of the Roman Catholic Church. He was born in Belgium. He was the youngest of seven children. He was educated at the College of, I'm going to try this again, Grand uh, Le Comte. And in 1858, I'm just going to leave you alone, Jason. And in 1858, he joined the Society of Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary at Leuven, Belgium. And in place of his brother, Father Pamphile, who had been stricken by illness, he went as a missionary to the Sandwich or Hawaiian Islands in 1863. Um, he reached Honolulu in 1864 and was ordained as a priest the same year. Moved by the miserable condition of those suffering from leprosy, whom the Hawaiian government had deported to Kalaupapa on the island of Molokai, he volunteered to take charge of the settlement. St. Damien, known for his compassion, provided spiritual, physical, and emotional comfort to those suffering from the debilitating and incurable disease. He served as both pastor and physician to the colony and undertook many projects to better the conditions there. He improved water and food supplies and housing and founded two orphanages, receiving help from other priests for only six of his 16 years on Molokai. Then in 1884, Damon contracted leprosy himself and refused to leave for treatment. He succumbed to the painful, deforming disease and died five years later. And the reason why St. Damon looks so different here and here is because that's Damon before leprosy, and that's him after leprosy. Father Damon's story is a story of inspiration, right? After hearing this story, you may feel like, you know, man, I need to be a little bit more selfless. I should think about others a little bit more than I think about myself. Or maybe you feel inspired to, to endeavor some cause, right, to do something to help people who are in need, but you also may feel a little bit uh, challenged or convicted, right? You may think about the ways that you are selfish, the way that you think about yourself a little more than you should, right? Well, the cool thing about Father Damon's story, as inspiring and as challenging as it is, 
is that it's not a unique story. Because I believe that Father Damon's story is also the story of the Apostle Paul in our passage from this morning. If you remember last week, Pastor Drew taught us that Thessalonica was a big city, right? It was a center of trade and big business, right? It was kind of like a New York, a New York city, right? Somebody shout out the name of a big city they know. Atlanta, Atlanta exactly. Atlanta's a big city. Tell me another big city you may know of. Chicago, right. So Thessalonica was like a New York or a Chicago. It wasn't the biggest city of the day, but it was a fairly big city. And one of the biggest imports, one of the biggest imports, exports, one of the biggest things that they traded in this city was information. Philosophers and teachers, they love to come through this city sharing their ideas and their philosophies with the many people who lived there, the people who were doing business there. And some of the teachers were good teachers. They were sincere teachers. They wanted to help people. But others of the teachers, they weren't so good. They were trying to deceive people in the hopes to get money or in the hopes to get famous. And so with this being the background of the Apostle Paul coming and sharing the gospel, Paul wants the people to know that he's one of the good teachers, that he's sincere, that he's not coming for fame and money, but he's coming because he wants to share the love of God. With the people. And so, Paul references or he talks about two things that proves that he's a good teacher, that proves that he wants what's right for the people, and not that he's trying to get money and fame, but that he wants them to know God. He wants them to know Jesus and how much he loves them. Now, when we say, and we're going to say several times, that Paul maintains a faithful witness. All we're saying is the ways that he pointed people to Jesus, okay? The ways that he helped people know Jesus. And so the two ways that Paul showed or proved that he was a faithful witness to Jesus, that he was truly seeking to point people to Jesus, was this. The first was this, that Paul experienced very difficult things as a result of sharing the gospel message. In verse 2, Paul references the hardships that he'd experienced in Philippi, which is another city that Pastor Drew talked talked to us about last week, before he came to this new city of Thessalonica. And in that city, he'd been beaten, he'd been mocked, he'd been put to shame, and he'd even been thrown in jail because he refused to stop sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, When Paul refers back to the fact that he'd been treated so poorly before he came to the Thessalonians, what he was trying to say was, hey, listen, you can tell that I'm a good teacher because even though before I came to you, what I received for sharing the gospel was being beaten and shamed and thrown in jail, I still came to you with the gospel. If I was looking for fame and money, I would have stopped. (laughs) Because I didn't get that. I got beaten. But Paul says, because I love you, because this message of the gospel is so worth it, I continue through the hardships of what I'm experiencing. For Paul and his companions, sharing Christ and witnessing Jesus' work in the lives of others was their reward. Not money, not fame, but the love of God and others experiencing that in their lives. The gospel and salvation was so valuable to them that it was worth all the difficulty they faced. And brothers and sisters, both big ones and small ones, 
I think that what this communicates to us is that some of the greatest witness that we can have to other people, some of the best ways that we can point people to Jesus is when we continue to share him and live for him, even though we face difficulty because of it. Amen. Some of the greatest ways that we can show that Jesus is real, that Jesus is really at work in our lives is when people don't like us or we face any matter of difficulty in this life because we've chosen to love Jesus and we continue loving him and serving him and sharing the message of him. And this is important because if you're anything like me, you start to wonder if you're doing the right things or believing the right things when you face difficulty because of them. Amen? But what I want us to hear this morning is that sometimes you facing difficulty can actually show, prove to affirm that you are doing what God wants you to do. Sometimes when you're facing difficulty, it can affirm that we are on mission for Jesus, that we are bearing a faithful witness to Christ. They can show that we're not seeking selfish gain but that we really believe in Jesus and that we're willing to endure hard things for him. A lot like Father Damon in our story this morning. And the second thing that Paul says he does to show that he's a good teacher is that he maintains pure motives. Let me ask you a question. This is for big kids and little kids. What is a motive? What does that mean? Go ahead, Miles. I'm sorry. What is That is really, really good. Say it loud again, Miles. Go ahead. Say it loud. What is it? Right, right. And first time he said intentions. Essentially, it's your why. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? What Paul is saying to them that he maintained a pure why, a pure motive. In verses 3 through 4, through four Paul assures the Thessalonians that his message of the gospel, he says, is neither in error, meaning it's not a wrong message, and it's also not from impure or unclean or wrong motivations or motives, as Miles just told us. In other words, Paul isn't trying to trick them into believing in Jesus. And again, why would he trick them? What has he gotten for sharing the gospel that would be a motivation for tricking them? Remember, all he got was being beaten and thrown in jail and shamed. That's not the kind of things you desire when you trick someone, right? When you trick someone, you hope to get something that is nice and, you know. But that's not what he's getting. Paul is on mission from the Lord. And the way Paul says it is that God has tested his heart and found that his motives are pure. That God has entrusted him with the ministry of the gospel because his intentions for continuing it are pure. And what are these pure motives? Well, there's two of them, he said. The first is to please God, and the second is to love people. Now, the way Paul puts it, he says that he was seeking to please God and not pleasing people. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, because I do think that one of the biggest temptations, especially for those of us who want to live for God and do right by people, is to please people. And I think, okay, that seeking to please the Lord above people is one of the easiest ways to remain, to remain faithful to the witness of Christ. Okay? 
Seeking to please God helps us to stay faithful to what is true about God and about how he calls us to live and what he calls us to believe. But on the other hand, seeking to please people, trying to please people, especially above God, is a very easy way to not please God because people often desire what God doesn't desire. People often desire what is contrary or opposite to what God wants. Seeking to please people can sometimes lead us to embrace or support ideas and causes and movements and actions that are contrary, that are opposite to the good things that God wants for us and that he wants for the world. For instance, for our older kids in here, if I can, in our very heated and political uh, culture and society context right now, make a political example Seeking to please people can cause us to ally ourselves or even to vote in certain ways that is is cool with the people around us and not necessarily in line with our convictions because doing that is a lot less lonely, right? It's a lot easier to, to vote or ally yourself in a way that everybody around you is because going with the crowd is a lot easier than not going with the crowd. I feel like I'm talking to adults like elementary school students. But you know what? Jesus says, unless you become as one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So let's all become as children today. Another example for my smaller kids is that sometimes it's easier to join everybody else in doing something that, we sh- that we're not sure we should be doing Because it feels really good to be accepted. It feels really good to be accepted and sometimes doing what you know is right, even though it's not the thing everybody else is doing, will cause you to be a little less popular and a little less liked by others. Challenging bad behavior or staying away from people when they're doing bad things may truly cause people to not like you as much. It did for the Apostle Paul, right? But as Christians, we're called to do what pleases God, despite who it may offend or how difficult it may make our lives. And this doesn't mean, this does not mean that we try to be offensive. It doesn't mean that we try to be offensive. It doesn't mean that we try to make our lives harder. That's not what we're doing. Okay? But it does mean that offense or hurting someone's feelings and difficulty will sometimes be the result of seeking to please God. All right. A lot like the Apostle Paul and like Father Damon experienced. But along with the pleasure of God or pleasing God, Paul was motivated by what? Love. He was motivated by love, loving people. In verse 8, Paul acknowledges that he and his companions were eager to share the gospel and even their own lives with the Thessalonians simply because they loved the Thessalonians. For Paul, reaching people for Jesus was the greatest, was the greatest reason for doing what he was doing. It was because he loved them and he sought their salvation. And friends, sometimes we have to ask ourselves if we're more in love with people or our own missions ministry objectives, or ideas, okay? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves if we are more in love with people, our own missions, our own ministry objectives, or our own ideas. 
For example, as a pastor, I have to ask myself to keep my heart open for the Lord. I have to ask myself, am I just seeking to be seen as some great spiritual leader or do I really care for people? And so I seek to be as, as, as good at shepherding and caring for our people as I can. Right? Well, let's talk about if you're a teacher here this morning. And God bless you if you are. Is your teaching motivi- motivated by displaying how smart you are, are or how talented you are as an instructor? Or do you strive for excellence because you love students and desire to be effective in developing young minds? that realize their potential in the workplace and in the world. To our smaller kids this morning, um, are you nice to your friends or your brothers and sisters because you really love them and want want them to be okay? Or do you just want to really be seen as a great brother or sister or a great person? A great person. Well, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Now, I want to say... Really quickly, I heard a pastor say this years ago, and I think it's very helpful for us to understand that as human, broken people, there is no such thing as 100% pure motives. And if we ever wait for our motives to be perfectly pure to do something, we will never do a single thing. But the reason we keep asking ourselves these questions is so that as we stay before the Lord, we're assured that our hearts continue to move into closer and closer alignment with his. And that's the goal, that we continue to grow in that direction. Amen? That making sense? Because if we say that we are on mission for Jesus, then love has to be our motivation. Because love is Jesus' motivation. Jesus isn't some aloof God who isn't concerned with us. To the contrary... Right? John chapter 3, verse 16. What does it say? Say it loud. Say it loud, Gideon. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at that. Good job. Good job. Good job. And I just want to note that this brother here said it in the actual literal Greek translation which is not for God so loved the world, but that God loved the world in this way. The word who told, good job, man. Who was your parents, man? Good job, guys. Good job. Praise. Good job, guys. Good job. You see, brothers and sisters, God loved us. God's motive for saving us is love. And so that our ministries, our gospel sharing, our concern for others should be motivated by love because love is the heart of Christ. Love is the motivation of Christ. At the, be- at the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned that Father Damon's story is Paul's story. Well, more than that, Father Damon's story is Christ's story. It's the story of Jesus. Long before Father Damon went to the leper colony in in, in Hawaii and caught leprosy and died, Jesus came to earth and he caught our sin sickness and died. Jesus is our model for for persevering through difficulty for the sake of the gospel. Jesus' mission is the model of a mission that is motivated by pleasing God and loving people. 
Jesus endured suffering because he sought to please God and love people. And now, brothers and sisters, we look to Jesus to learn what a life on mission looks like. And a life on mission looks like what? Pleasing God and loving people. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, friends. God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you, Father, for the, the models, the, the examples of, of Father Damon, of the Apostle Paul. But above all, Lord God, we thank you for your love shown to us, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray for all of our children here this morning. Yet your love would be what compels us to live for you, to please you, to love others. In Jesus' name, amen.